Thank you so much for leading us in worship today. It's great to see you this morning, and I add to Brother Kevin my word of welcome to each one of you. Thank you for being here on this Lord's Day. It's great to have you here this morning. Ancient words. Isn't that a great song? I love that song. I asked him, I said, Brother Tim, I want us to sing that song. I love that song because it speaks to the relevance of the Word of God that's abidingly relevant for every man, woman, boy, and girl in every generation for all time. More relevant than today's newspaper or today's news app, whatever you use. I want to tell you a story about Randy Reed. Randy was 34 years old, construction worker, just outside of Chicago, Illinois, working on a water tower. Brilliant man, Randy was. He unhitched his safety belt to reach over and to get some equipment. You know what happened. He fell 110 feet straight down. Barely missed a pile of construction equipment. Landed on a pile of dirt. Everyone rushed to Randy Reed. He was, uh, he was conscious. Complained a little bit about his back feeling a little hurt. They called 911. Everyone rushed there. They were just shocked to see Randy Reed doing so well. Put him on a backboard, you know, they do that, and rushed him to the hospital, where, by the way, later on he was found to have just a few bruises, and that was it. 110 feet he fell. But they put him on the backboard, and they start rolling him toward the ambulance. He said, please don't drop me. Please don't drop me. Really? You just fell 110 feet, and you're worried about three feet? Well, we're a lot alike Randy Reed spiritually. We serve a God who can save us from death and hell, and yet we still doubt that He's able to help us during the week. We serve a God who's done such big things, and we doubt His ability in the little things of life. We're much too like 34-year-old Randy Reed from outside of Chicago, Illinois. We need our faith to grow. Today I ask you, what kind of faith do you have? What kind of faith is your faith? Sometimes our faith might best be described, as I've entitled the message, like our prayers are usually 911 prayers, we often have 911 faith. Our prayers and our faith are activated powerfully only when there's a powerful need in our family, in our lives, in our health, in our work. We walk by sight and not by faith too often. We need a different kind of faith. We need a saving faith. We need a living faith. And so the passage we're going to read today is a beautiful one that speaks about the kind of faith that we really need. And it tells an unlikely story of an unlikely man who had a faith that we really desperately need in the 21st century. So look with me to John chapter 4, beginning with verse 43. We have been studying the book of John now for several weeks, and it will take us sometime into the next millennium if we keep going at the rate that I'm going. Uh, I don't know how long it will take, but we're, we're excited. I, I'm excited about it. I love it, and I love looking at every single verse. 
We begin today with verse 43. Remember where we left off last week? Now, if you weren't here, um, I don't know if you can go on the website and look it up from last week. Can? Thank you. I never listen to myself. I never watch myself on TV. I never, I don't like it. So I don't, but they say it's on the website. and You can look it up and listen to what happened last week because we saw a follow-up of what happened to the woman at the well. It was a great, great text. But now we go even further, verse, verse 43. Now after two, the two days, two days, what two days? Remember, he spent two days in that village. So after the two days, he departed from there and went to Galilee. And for Jesus himself testified that a prophet has no honor in his own country. So when he came to Galilee, the Galileans received him, having seen all the things he did in Jerusalem at the feast, for they also had gone to the feast. So Jesus came again to Cana in Galilee, where he had made the water wine. And there was a certain nobleman whose son was sick at Capernaum. Capernaum, by the way, is 20 miles from Cana, closer to, it's right on the Sea of Galilee. So his son is sick in Capernaum. When he heard that Jesus had gone out of Judea into Galilee, he went to him and implored him to come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. Then Jesus said to him, Unless you people see signs and wonders, you will by no means believe. The nobleman said to him, Sir, come down before my child dies. Verse 50, Jesus said to him, Go your way. Your son lives. So the man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him, and he went his way. And as he was now going down, his servants met him and told him, saying, Your son lives. And then he inquired of them the hour when he got better. And they said to him, Yesterday at the seventh hour, which is seven o'clock in the evening, Roman central time, Roman eastern time, that's when the fever left him. So the father knew that it was at that same hour in which Jesus said to him, Your son lives. And he himself believed in his whole household. This again is the second sign that Jesus did when he had come out of Judea into Galilee. Well, what faith. First of all, note the situation with me, please. Just note the situation. What's going on here? Well, Jesus has gone back into Galilee, Cana. I told you it's a small village. It's no longer there. There is a Cana there, but it's not the village that was there in Jesus' day. But it's to the west of the Sea of Galilee. He goes back to Galilee. He had been in Samaria, we've seen that, remember the woman at the well, Samaria, Sychar, or Sikar. He had been down Jerusalem, but now he goes back up to the area with which he is most familiar, and the area in which he was received the best right now. And so he had already met increasing hostility there in Judea, and so now he heads back north to Galilee. He was known, by the way, as the prophet from Galilee. Though he wasn't born in Galilee, he was born where? Bethlehem, which is in Judea. But he spent most of his growing up life in 
Galilee. People thought he was from there. And we know that the public response to his ministry in Jerusalem had been based on uh, really a shallow faith. We talked about that. So why did he return to Cana? Well, many people say it's so he could, uh, so he could uh, really work on the seed that had already been planted. He could cultivate the seed that had already been planted when he had been there before at the well, excuse me, not the well, but at the wedding that had occurred there in Cana. So, he's met in Cana by a nobleman. What does that mean, nobleman? Most scholars say he had some position in government. What position? We do not know. But he was wealthy enough to have servants. He's a nobleman. A man of high honor. A man of, of, of great importance. This man is from Capernaum. Now, I told you Capernaum is on the west side of the sea, really northwest side of the Sea of Galilee. It's an important city. Uh, was an important city, I must say was. Why is it not now? Because there's no city there now. Why? Jesus cursed Capernaum and said, you will be like Sodom and Gomorrah, and nothing's ever been built there. It's no city there anymore. The ruins are there. But it was an important city in Jesus' day. It became Jesus' really earthly headquarters. Uh, Peter's mother-in-law lived there. Jesus healed his mother-in-law there. So a lot of things happened in and around Capernaum. But this man is from Capernaum. Uh, we don't know if he was Jew or Gentile. We're not told those things. We're not even told the man's name. But he is at his wit's end. His son is dying. He's got a terrible fever. And he is at his wit's end imploring Jesus, Please, please come back and help my son. Please come help my son. The Bible says he implored him, my versions. Some say kept on beseeching him. That means he literally begged him. He literally begged him. I don't know if you've ever had a child at the point of death. But let me tell you, it's a scary thing. It's a terrible thing. Now, uh, we really... Uh, had a lot of broken bones in my girls uh, over the years. Melissa broke her bones. I mean, how many times did she break her arm? Four times. I finally outlawed roller skating, and that stopped the broken bones for Melissa. But, oh, man, she thought for sure. I'm, the first time she broke her arm, she thought she was going to die. Daddy, am I going to die? No, honey, you're not going to die. But to have a child injured or sick is a, something that just grasps at a parent's heart like nothing else. You'll do anything to help that child. So I told you Wednesday or Sunday of last week that I am, I am just very sensitive toward children. And when those commercials come on for Shriners Hospital in St. Jude, she, I told you what she says, get out your checkbook. Well, this week a new commercial came on. And this little boy that's been one of the spokespersons for years in a wheelchair talks about, we'll send you an adorable blanket. He was on there with his mom and daddy, and they were all crying. Well, that did me in. And I, I, she said, get out your checkbook again. I said, there doubles my contribution right there. I mean, they knew how to get me. They knew how to get me. Well, that's the way you are with your own children. You, you will do anything to take care of those children. You'll do anything. 
Well, that's the way this daddy was. you got to come help me. My son is dying. Now see the Lord's lament. Now let's look at this next point in verse 48. Let's see, Jesus comes back with an unusual retort and said, unless you people see signs and wonders, you'll by, you'll by no means believe. I don't think it was a rebuke of this man specifically, but it was a rebuke of all the people who had shallow faith. At the spiritual condition that was around him, because the pragmatic philosophy of the day and today is seeing is believing. So if you'll show us, we'll believe. Everybody was that way, it seems. But did this man believe that Jesus could heal his son? Seemed to have that belief, didn't he? Jesus, please come. My boy is dying. Please come. Now, he made two mistakes. His first mistake was believing that Jesus had to make a personal visit to heal the boy. Wasn't true. Second, that even if the boy died, that Jesus couldn't do it about anything, anything about it then. It'd be too late. And we knew, we know from what Jesus would be doing, even when a child died, that wasn't too late for him. So he made two mistakes, but he still had faith. He still believed. But Jesus was commenting on the lack of faith for everyone. And I have to ask, does Jesus lament our faith? Does he look at us and say, really? You, you think God will save you from hell, but he's not going to save you next week? Does he lament our faith? I believe the answer is an unqualified yes. I believe he's saddened by our lack of faith. I, I think he's saddened by our lack of spiritual expectancy. I believe he's saddened by our materialistic belief that we can do anything if we have enough money and we have enough smarts and if we work hard enough we can do anything we want to do. That's worse than 911 faith, which always calls on God just in the bad times and the worst times. I believe he laments our faith. This man, though he did make some mistakes in his belief, he still had a stronger faith than many of us. Jesus, would you come? Heal my son. I know you can. Please come. My son is dying. He's got a fever. Please come over to Capernaum. I know it's 20-some miles away, but come on, Jesus. Please. Jesus laments the faith of many of us. And he did then as well. Now last... And let's spend a little more time on this last segment. See the man's faith grow. Look at verse 50 with me if you would, please. See this man's faith grow. Look, at, look at back to verse 50 and following. He said, go your way. Your son lives. So the man believed. Now, think with me just a moment. Jesus' response still seems somewhat impersonal. Don't you agree? I'm so sorry your boy's sick. He didn't say anything like that. I'm, you know, I, man, I know it hurts. I know you're grieving in your heart because you don't want your son sick. I know you don't. His reply seems somewhat impersonal, rather casual. By dismissing the official with the statement that his son was alive, Jesus created a dilemma of faith here. I mean, think about it with me just a moment. His boy is dying. He begs, 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 implores Jesus, come take care of my boy. And Jesus said, go on. 
Your boy's alive. Well, I know he's alive. I mean, he was alive when I left, but some versions even put it in the future tense, your son will live. Really, he's just saying your son lives. But wait a minute, Jesus. So if he had kept force, if he tried to force Jesus to come with him and refuse to return to Capernaum without Jesus going with him, he would show that he didn't really believe Jesus' word. And then the miracle would not have occurred because of a lack of faith. And if he just left without some proof, what if he goes back and his boy did die later? It's a dilemma of faith. Do I, do I act on what I believe God's told me to do even when there is no evidence? There's the dilemma of faith for every one of us, boys and girls. What is faith? If you show me ahead of time what's going to happen, it's not faith, is it? The Bible says, so the man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him, and he went his way. It's 7 o'clock at night. It's getting dark. You didn't travel there at night. It was dangerous. Now, if you believe your boy was about to die and he was sick, would you travel at night? I would. But apparently he didn't travel at night. He believed, my boy's going to be okay. My boy's going to be okay. My servants are taking care of him. He's going to be all right. Why? Because Jesus said, go on, your boy lives. And so without evidence, it's obvious he even delayed his return home to Capernaum. So, this man's faith was so strong that he would delay, and he did. And when the father went home the next day, the servants met him and said, Your boy's all right. Did he say? Oh, I know. But he asked specifically, what time did the boy get better? Well, it was 7 o'clock last night, Master. Seven o'clock is when Jesus told me, go your way, your son lives. Wow. See the man's faith grow. Look with me at just a few points here. The man, he began with crisis faith. Wouldn't you agree with that? And that's where many of us are. We come to the Lord with that 911 faith. Help me, help me, help me, I'm in trouble. Didn't a lot of people come to Jesus with their crisis? Plural crises? Yes. They came from everywhere. Help us out. Help us out. And he did. And he did. So the man's faith began like many began with a crisis faith. Something brings them to a point of, of decision and consternation and they need him. Well, the nobleman's crisis faith moved beyond crisis to a confident faith. He now even delays his home going at the word of Jesus. So he delays it and he becomes confident. Are you at that point in your spiritual walk? Can you say with confidence, I believe that when he tells me something, it's going to happen. And when he tells me he's going to take care of me, he's going to take care of me. I not only trust him from falling for 110 feet, I trust him for three. I know he saved me from hell, but I believe he can help me next week. Do you have a confident 
faith. But this man's faith moved even beyond confident faith. His confident faith became confirmed faith. The Bible says he believed the word and had peace in his heart. And he later saw that at the very time when Jesus spoke the word, the boy's fever left him. He believed that Jesus was the Christ, the Son of God. Is your faith confirmed? Have you seen God work in your life over and over? His ancient words come true. I have. I have. And I know you have as well. But there was one last stage in this man's faith. His confirmed faith became contagious. I mean, look at it. It says... In the latter part of verse 53, he himself believed. And those servants and those other family members, they all said, yes, yes. This man you've told us about, he's real, he's right. We have faith in him too. And so this crisis faith moved to confidence and confirmed, but then it became, became contagious. And he wanted to share it with others. Could you say this morning that your faith is a contagious faith? Do you want to share with people the good news of what God has done for you? You may say, well, I don't, Pastor, I don't know how to be a witness. Oh, yeah, you do. You can just simply tell people what Jesus has done for you. You know, I have been in some contentious witnessing situations. I have been with some people who were just not nice to the gospel. And I, that may shock you, but I have been in some uh, less than wonderful witnessing situations where I've dealt with some skeptics and some hard people, particularly people who felt that they were so smart that they could not believe or give assent to the gospel. And there are a lot of them out there. But when you begin saying to someone, well, let me tell you what he's done for me. They do not retort. They do not doubt. There is a hush that comes over every person when you say, let me tell you what he did for me. You may share scripture verse and scripture verse and wonderful witnessing tools. And they may fuss back at all that. But when you start saying, let me tell you what he did for me. Then there is this hush. And they say, okay, I cannot dispute your personal testimony. So don't just say, I don't know how to witness. You can just say, can I tell you what Jesus did for me? And then end it with a phrase, has he ever done anything like that for you? Has he ever done anything like that for you? And then you can tell them how they can give their lives to Christ. Oh, my friends, this nobleman's faith became a contagious faith. And that's what I want to happen with you. And me. I want us to be so excited about what the Lord is doing that we want to tell other people about the Lord. I want us to be so excited we just can't stand it. I remember one old preacher one time said, I want you so excited when you go out of this place that if we, if we sing, there's power in the blood. Oh no, if you get bit by a mosquito, you're going to start singing, there's power in the blood, there's power in the blood. Anyway, he was just being silly, but I want us to be so excited that we just believe there's power. There's power. Oh, my friends, are you excited? Is it contagious? Can you tell others what Jesus has done for you?
Let's pray. Father God, in Jesus' name, we thank you for your word. Thank you for the contagious faith of this man. Thank you how it began and how he believed. And he got through that dilemma with faith. Lord, I know seeing is believing is the philosophy of our world. But we know believing is seeing. And we believe. We believe. And so God, right now, I pray for every man, woman, boy, and girl in this place. That they would come to grips with the type of faith that they have. And it would deepen, even now as we sing, even now as we respond, that it would deepen. And we ask this prayer in Jesus' name.